We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the November 29th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Derek Ann Riper's here with me like every Thursday. We're going to preview the week 13 games. We've got a full slate this week, Derek. No buys. Hallelujah. No buys. So you don't have to worry about random schedule stuff. Reducing right. your team, this final push for the playoffs in a lot of leagues. I mean, a lot of leagues start the playoffs in week 14, so this is kind of it for the regular season for a lot of people out there. Yep. Good luck, everybody. Um, did you make the fishball playoffs? I made the second tier. Me too. Wait, second tier. That's the, so that's the non-buy? Or I, I don't know. I just know I'm in the playoffs, and I don't know what that means. Otherwise, what that means. I think the top four in each league got to the top level, and then yeah. the next four got into the other one, so I'm in the, the next four one. So I think I went up second. My record was eight and four, so it worked out pretty well. Nick, My record was six and five, seven and five, six okay. and five. Yeah, so I guess it'd be seven and five. Right. Points were okay. Nick Chubb is my man. He is the man. He is, Failed he is you out, huh? hooking me up later in the season, ma- making my team stronger down the stretch. I love it. So, see how that goes. Um, yeah, he, he, was, he was one of those guys that if you took him in the mid-rounds and you just waited it out, it worked out great. But as we talked about when 
when they traded Carlos Hyde away, there were plenty of leagues out there. A lot of people play in like 10 team leagues and you couldn't necessarily wait on a guy who was only playing eight snaps a game. Right. Like they just weren't using him to the point where bye weeks and injuries started to pile up. And Chubb was a guy that some people had to cut. Uh, I picked him up in my home league because somebody else was in that circumstance. And it, it's been a big difference maker for me, but it, I got lucky. Right. Um, yeah, agree. I mean, stashing sounds great until you're five weeks in and need to put people in your lineup. You know, all depends on how deep your league is. All right. So do we need to talk about Baker Mayfield and New Jackson? No. no. I mean, we can. I, if it, right. I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I think players should say what they want. I don't think players should treat the microphone like they're politicians. Right. And the, the one take that I haven't liked, look, I, I mean, I get people saying, you know, hey, well, he got fired and he got another job. And like, I get that. And I get Baker kind of looking at him, joining the Bengals and going, you know, well, screw him. I get that, too. I get the, the emotion of that. The one thing I, the, I don't like is the whole, well, Baker Mayfield left and went to another school. And Come on. It's totally not the same thing. No, it's no, it's not at all. Uh, but I, I found I found Baker Mayfield's honesty about the situation to be refreshing. Right. I, I wish there was more. You know, I, I wish they were filming Hard Knocks now. <laughs> you know what fun. greg williams would never let that happen <laughs> i mean it's fun the, the browns are one of the more entertaining teams in the league now i think this is great it's it's a lot of fun so by the way in the time we've started recording this podcast greg williams has turned down seven more nfl head coaching yes. jobs with other teams so it's uh, just people sending him letters in the mail with with contracts in them yeah it's just there just say come here we don't need to talk to you just come it's good to be Greg Williams. <laughs> Greg Williams might be the Browns coach next year. So <laughs> you never know. All right. Um, before we get to week 13, what we're going to try to do is do every game. We usually do every game. Last week, we cut it off in the middle. This week, we're going to try to you know put the pedal to the metal, talk about less for each game and see how it goes. And if we cut off in the middle and continue on Friday, that'll be that. Um, first, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us at RotoWire and the player update feed is at RotoWire NFL. Oh, yeah. And follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook if you haven't done that already. Week 13, Saints-Cowboys tonight. Am I, I think the Cowboys can win this game. Hmm. No? They're at home. So, the, yeah, they could. I mean, Saints are favored by seven and a half. Yep. I think missing David Irving and missing Sean Lee, I think those are two pretty big pieces missing from the Cowboys defense when you have to take on an offense as explosive as the Saints and one that changes personnel as frequently as they do. I, I just think that's going to overmatch the Dallas defense. I think that's going to be the difference. Okay. That's fair. I, I just li- I like the way they're playing. I, I don't think they're. I just think they're better. Like I, f- I find the Cowboys so much more interesting now. They're a totally different team with Amari Cooper. I mean, yeah. since they added him in Week Nine, Dak Prescott's completing seventy percent of his passes. Uh, he's thrown for over a thousand yards in those four games. Five TDs, only one interception. Uh, getting seven point seven yards per attempt. One hundred two point four passer rating. Before that, he was completing only sixty two percent of his passes. 6.8 YPA, 87.4 passer rating. So, yeah, maybe it's limited sample size, but there's been a big difference with that offense since Cooper got there. All right. Um, by the way, other injuries to note of that game. Tracon Smith expected to play. Tyron Smith, game-time decision for the Cowboys. And uh, what are we looking at here? There's someone else we needed to talk about. Dan Arnold is, is ready to go again. Tom Arnold? Damn, I called him Tom Arnold the other day. Yeah, Dan Arnold. All right. Well, I, I, if they throw more touchdowns to him, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. So. From UW-Platteville. 
<laughs> um, by the way, NFL.com reporting, not looking good for Tyron Smith's play against the Saints. Um, I like Dak here a little bit, by the way. I think this is going to be a high. I don't think the Cowboys have an extremely high-powered offense. Like you said, they're, they're, they're better now with Cooper. But I think Dak has a strong fantasy outing for people. He's inside yeah. my top 12. They're probably playing from behind a lot. You know, whatever Zeke struggles to get on the ground, he probably gets in the passing game. He's kind of been their number two pass catcher behind Cooper the last four weeks. And uh, the Saints give up the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. They give up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. That bodes very well for Dak Cooper and maybe some of the depth guys there, too. I wrote up a full article. If you're playing the single game slate, you can check it out. I think it's free this week, too, just in the Rotowire DFS section. Cool. All right. Um, According to NFL Network, we're going to go to Ravens-Falcons. According to NFL Network, Mike Garofolo, uh Joe Flacco has not been cleared yet. So it looks like we've got another week of Lamar Jackson. Uh, also, uh, by the way, Gus Edwards and Alex Collins, neither one of them practice on Wednesday. We're going to have to wait and see on them. It doesn't sound serious with Edwards, but keep an eye on it. Uh, are, you, are you in on Lamar in this game or not? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've, I've got him in a couple of two quarterback leagues, so he's definitely in for me there. Like in a traditional format, I think you can justify because Atlanta's had so much trouble stopping the run all season. We know that part of the design with Jackson is plenty of attempts. I mean, we saw 11 attempts in, in week 12. That's probably more reasonable as a baseline, even for uh, the higher end of the spectrum. The, the 26, which includes some kneel downs in that debut, seemed like that was going to be difficult for him to get back to that level. Um, so I think we're looking at 12, maybe 15 carries and the 20 plus attempts. And, and even the pass attempt should be pretty efficient against that banged up Falcons defense. It sounds like Deion, this time, I've been saying this for a few weeks, this time for real, it sounds like Deion Jones might be back. He practiced with the first team defense on Wednesday. That's where we are. Hopefully he will play for their, for their sake. Um, yeah, Jackson, I talked about this earlier in the week with, uh, with I think both Tim and Jake, that last week, as you might remember, I was very bullish on Lamar Jackson, and he actually wanted, he got the stat line I wanted. Like it, it, it's sort of the, it, he got that nice baseline, which was what, 175 passing, 75 rushing, a touchdown on each side. I went, great, but it got him to QB 15, which is, you know, I mean, the way quarterback points work, it was within a, you know, 20 more rushing yards of QB 8 or so, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. still, it wasn't. I was really bullish, and it's like, okay, if that's the line I'm looking for, I needed to manage my expectations for. So I whiffed on that a little bit last week. And I right now I have my QB, I think, 15, which may be a little low. But um, Tevin Coleman, running back 27 in our weekly projections. Right, wrong, what? I don't think he's very good. Um, yeah, I know. For, for reasons I can't quite figure out. I think they've, they've had some injuries in the offensive line that maybe have been overlooked. In some instances, but you know, we talked about the Saints a minute ago as a really good run defense, you know, third most stingy to opposing backs. The Ravens are the most stingy defense to opposing runners. Uh, that does not bode well. The thing that I, I like about this game actually is that from a daily perspective, you look at the Falcons like they're they're going to probably have to throw in their home, so Matt Ryan and Julio could still be fine. But I think Tevin Coleman at least outside the top 20, but outside the top 25 at running back this week makes sense with all 32 teams back in action. All right. And Ito has not been touching the ball. Like I, you'd have to be crazy to start Ito this week. I mean, he has been touching the ball for three weeks. I don't think I'm saying anything earth shattering here, but you know, he was a thing for a while and I don't think he's a thing right now anymore. No, so. I would not play him. Okay. Panthers bucks. Um, 
Deshaun Jackson was limited with a thumb injury on Wednesday. You're going to need to watch that because the Panthers have been giving up a lot of points. Um, I think we're rolling with Adam Humphreys again if we got him. It's funny, the, the Adam Humphreys questions I've been getting, and I've been answering Adam Humphreys. You know, what's, the, what's the most surprising one where you've well, responded with Adam Humphreys as the better play? Let me see here. All right, it's not Hugh. Anthony Miller. Yeah, okay, it's not a, yeah, Jackson, or yeah, Humphreys over that would make sense. Traquan Smith, Smith, Josh Reynolds, or Adam Humphreys? I go Adam Humphreys. Uh, Oh, man, that one's really tough. Yeah. I think I like Humphreys will be in the slot a lot. So, you know what? I actually like Cooks and Woods are both healthy. I'm probably going Humphreys there, too, if I'm not taking the fly. Traquan Smith, it's so hard to, to bank on that Philly game being the indicator that he's the number two receiver now, right? Because the usage, his targets in that game match the same number of targets he had in the previous four games combined. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles secondary is just messed up by injuries. It's right. Terrible right now. So yeah, I could see Humphreys over those three, especially in like full PPR where you're looking for that, that volume floor. Okay. Next. One thing I want to talk about in this game, I mean, the Panthers, I mean, I think it's a, uh, you know, you're starting Cam McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Olsen, and you're not starting the other guys. Devin Funches would be the on-the-fence guy. And, you know, since he's coming back most likely from an injury, I, I don't I mean, it, it is against the Bucks. So let me see where he is in the projections. Because um, Funches, is, I mean, he had that horrible game against the, the Lions where he dropped all the passes. Our projections have him at wide receiver 35. So he's probably on the outside looking in, unless you're in a three-wide receiver league. Flexi, he's even on the low end of that. So, um, guy I want to talk about in this game, Cameron Brait. Last week, it, when A.J. Howard got hurt, it was, ooh, Cameron Brait's going to be great. And Cameron Brait got a touchdown. And everyone went, yeah, woo, I was right on Cameron Brait. <laughs> okay, you were right on Cameron Brait. He still was three for 26 and one on four targets. Earlier in the season, when O.J. Howard went out, there was another week where we were all bullish on Cameron Brait. And he went one for 15 and one against the Falcons. Like, is, is Cameron Brait... Again, caveat, tight end is a wasteland. I, I guess you start him, but I'm not sure. Try- I'm not after last week, it doesn't make me excited. It's like, okay, he might score, but I don't know. Well, I think part of the problem is there are only so many targets to go around and yeah. with that group of receivers mostly healthy, like that that does put a cap on him. The thing that I wonder about is the Panthers have been the worst defense against tight ends this mm-hmm. season. Are they going to intentionally target him more, especially if you know, Deshaun Jackson's thumb issue proves to be anything serious as the week rolls on. So I think the overall view that I have of Bray is more like what you described. I'm a little bit hesitant to trust him, but I think this matchup is so good that even if he didn't score last week, I'd still be looking at Bray and saying, this is a pretty good spot since the Panthers have allowed nine TDs to opposing tight ends this season. And, and one more note about that. When the Bucks and Panthers played in week nine, O.J. Howard scored two touchdowns. Yeah, so, so Howard did some point. of that damage. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have Braid at QB 10. The Rotowire Weekly Projections have Braid at QB 8. So, yeah, I mean, because, again, you go down, it's like, well, when am I going to start Jimmy Graham and, you know, his nine fingers? I don't know. Maybe. Bears-Giants. So what were we on? I mean, Trubisky was limited in practice on Wednesday. It doesn't look good, right? 
No, it. Uh, I mean, the Mike Garofalo report is that they're planning on sitting Trubisky, so we'll see if anything changes. But it's an AC joint injury in his shoulder. It'll usually take a couple of weeks to to heal up. And uh, Daniel, the thing that surprised me on Thanksgiving is just that they used him a lot more than I, I thought they would. I thought they would really have a, a run-heavy offensive game plan, but they were actually throwing quite a bit, even in the first half, when they didn't have to do anything through the air. And it seems like they've they got a lot of confidence that he knows Nagy's offense well enough to execute. Do you think this puts the Bears, though, on, on upset alert if, if yes. he's not playing? Yes, as well as Daniel played last week. Yes, I mean, it was a... It was a low risk offense. I'm actually looking at the, you know, the the target depth and all that stuff. It was a it was a complete dink and dunk game plan, which is fine. I mean, they won. You know, the defense got a pick six. It's not like the offense was great. They they did enough to win, and the defense helped. But it's not like they scored a ton. Like I said, nothing against Chase Daniel. His backups go. That was a that was a solid passable outing. Um, and the offense, it, it definitely because of the short passing. It certainly favored, from a fantasy standpoint, it favored Cohen and Gabriel. It seemed more more than Robinson and Miller. Um, but to your point, upset alert? Yeah, because I don't think I'm past the point where I think the Giants are horrendous. They're below average. They're probably you know somewhere in the twenty fourth, twenty fifth best team in the league, but they're not thirtieth and falling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're they're dangerous enough. Yeah, I mean, there's weapon. You know, sick at any time. Saquon or he. Uh, Beckham touches the ball, they can take it 60 yards for a touchdown. That's a big deal. I mean, I think yeah, the Bears even, probably need them, but... Even in a tough matchup, those guys can be very productive. Right. Um, by the way, I was listening to a podcast, and Greg Cosell just blew up that Saquon Barkley in the second half narrative. <laughs> he was hostile. Like, I love listening to Greg Cosell. I can listen to that guy talk about football all day. And he, he was asked about you know, the Giants game plan in the second half. And he, he basically jumped in, cut the guy off and said, well, what, what do you mean? What are you asking? What are you talking about? He touched on, they ran the ball. They had the ball for 21 plays because they couldn't control the ball. Saquon touched the ball in five of the first 11. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Pulverized. He, it, was, it was awesome. I, love, I went, oh, okay. I'll buy that. Um, okay. So that's that in that game. Um, so Sterling Shepard, because of the Bears' defense, Sterling Shepard would be on the outside looking in, I think. Yeah, more fringy than usual this week. I mean, even if the Giants are are going to find a way to win this game, I'm not really expecting it to be high scoring. It's kind of, they just ground out a few more points than the Bears did with Chase Daniel. Like, that's that's the difference, right? Like, they'd be kind of ugly, like 20 to 14 or something like that. Right. Okay, Bills Dolphins. So, so we're supposed to talk about fantasy football here. Is there a player in this game that you would like to start in fantasy football? I think LaShawn McCoy is pretty well set up. It was a lot of touches and not a lot of output last week, but the Dolphins are still a, a bottom five run defense this season. Uh, they're not really good at, at stopping running backs from catching passes either. So I think McCoy probably gets 20 touches, maybe gets close to 100 yards, probably finds the end zone this week. Bill's offense, still not good, but it's certainly a little better with Josh Allen than it is with the alternatives. So if I had to start one guy in this game, McCoy is that guy. Where do you, where without looking, where is LaShawn McCoy in the Rotowire projections this week at running back? He should be at least ahead of uh, Tevin Coleman, given the, the matchups. So uh, top 25, so maybe 23, 24, 25, somewhere in there. 31. He is I, not uh, ahead of Tevin Coleman. 
I blame Liss again, even if it's not his fault. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's not a guy I'd like to start. I would consider Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake was banged up, though. They had him. It, the, the shoulder is still. It's it's annoying, but it doesn't sound like it's going to keep him out. But then it's Kenyon Drake. And yeah, he's non contact. He was limited participant non contact on Wednesday. And he's still in the in the evil Frank Gore vortex. So it's just, it's just so frustrating. It really is. I know they're trying to win games and they're five and six. I get it. But I don't know why they don't, they don't give this guy more of a chance. It angers me. So I, I, I hate the Drake, but it's not because of the Drake. It's yeah. because of the gaze. Right. Okay. Um, Colts, Jags, Hyde or Yeldon? Uh, probably Yeldon because I think the Colts can move the ball against the Jags. They did it a few weeks ago when they met up with them. The defense is just not the same lockdown defense we saw a year ago. And I think Yeldon's going to be the one that's out there in more passing situations. The, the only thing we have that's even remotely close to revealing their intentions would be the week eight game against Philadelphia when they brought Carlos Hyde in. 58% of the snaps went to Yeldon, 44% went to Hyde, but that was his first game with the Jags. So, you know, you, you could certainly see that flipping like 65-35 or something, but I don't think Hyde runs away with it. And I also don't think the Colts are in a position where they're they're uh, trailing and, and leaving the Jags with the high-volume running game that we, we can see sometimes when they have Leonard Fournette out there. All right, so do you think, and by the way, to, in case anyone hadn't heard, Leonard Fournette's appeal of his suspension has been officially uh, declined, so he's going to be suspended this week. That's why we're asking this, in case you hadn't heard the final details. So do you think, so the Colts go to Jacksonville, where the Jags have been, you know, they, they've had some good games. I wouldn't say they've been good because they've had some, disappointments but they've had some good games you think do you think they're just in in a, i used the term death spiral the other day and not a lot of teams get there but the jags might be there at this point do you think that's where they are and that the colts go in and win this game yeah i think the colts can win this game on the road um i i do think the jags something's just wrong it's been wrong for for weeks we we heard the story in, in london the guys skipping out from the bill and just leaving the club and that, that drama the night before the game, like just weird, weird stuff uh, like that has been happening. They've had some injuries too. It's been a little bit of everything. And uh, this team has, is quickly kind of lost its identity or at least lost that momentum and confidence they had throughout last season. All right. Um, on the other side. So let's say, assuming that the Colts are ahead and will be a little run heavier because of it, even though they like to throw. Okay. So is it, is it Wilkins or Hines if Mac doesn't play? Mac was still in the concussion protocol, did not practice on Wednesday. I would play I play I would play Hines if you're getting anything for receptions. I, I think he, the carries could be somewhat close to even and then Hines is going to be the passing down guy. So it's a little bit like the Jag setup where you could talk yourself into Wilkins if you're kind of desperate, you got some injuries, some things that haven't gone well for you, but more likely you want to lean on that pass catching back because that role is more established and in both cases, for the players involved, they do more than only catch passes. Okay. Um, yeah, I like Heinz a lot. Did you see the story a few weeks ago about Heinz uh, working at Bojangles? <laughs> no. What? Have you ever been to a Bojangles? No. I, I, I've, I've, yeah. I've seen them on like on the highway signs and probably driven past them somewhere, but I've never never stopped. So Bojangles is a, is a chicken place based in the southeast. And apparently when, and it's pretty good, 
And people down here, you know, the, the, a lot of, some of the Southerners will be like, you know, oh, you think Chick-fil-A is good, you got to go to Bojangles. It's like that. So, and great sweet tea. Um, but Hines went to NC State. And apparently when he left to go to camp with the Colts, he, I think it was an Instagram post, and he tagged Bojangles saying, I'll miss you guys, or something like that. So they came back and they said, with a list of, hey, every time you're on the road this year, here's the nearest Bojangles. So, also related to this, Heinz's dad, apparently his parents are very, you know, I mean, very trying to keep this guy with a good head on his shoulders and have already had the, what are you going to do after football talk? Because your career might last three years. Yeah, it's a good talk to have. Yes. And he apparently is interested in owning a Bojangles or many Bojangles franchises. So, he actually, during the bye week, he went back to Raleigh. And he worked a 10-hour day on a Saturday at a Bojangle so he could learn the business. It's a really cool story. So he was like, like working with the manager just to kind of see like, I mean, this is what it's actually like to have a Bojangles. Fulfilling orders at the drive-thru and at the counter. I mean, he did everything. Cool. No, yeah. So this is, this is a better Chick-fil-A because I, I, my, my one-sentence scouting report on Chick-fil-A is that I, there's always something wrong when I'm there. Really? Like, always. In, wow. in the, they, they try so hard. And the people working there are a little like like suspiciously friendly sometimes like they're very friendly they're very friendly there customer service is always great i would say the thing that's usually wrong is my food isn't always like fresh like it's warm it was cooked and set under the heat lamp they brought it out to me in like 10 seconds and speed is is what some people want and i'm like i just want like hot crispy chicken so the chick-fil-a hype to me has always been too much for, for what I actually get. It's edible. It's fine. I don't think it's terrible. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't want to talk ill of it. But I've just. I've had a, a mediocre experience every time I've gone. This is interesting because this is a take I have very rarely heard. So, and everybody's got their own experience. Wow. Okay. Good to know. I, I mean, I'm an outlier because I, I see people like we we had opened in Madison maybe two or three years ago now, and the drive-through is packed even still, like yeah. it, it, on a regular basis. Like, it's bizarre. It's it's good stuff. But yeah, people down here will like that. The Bojangles chicken is a little more. It's got a little more kick. It's a little peppery. So plus you can get you. you I think you get chicken on the bone at Bojangles too. So there's more. It's a different kind of place. All right. So, so like Popeyes is, is considered the bottom, like for the, the chain chicken places. There's Popeyes kind of at the bottom. Well, KFC is at the bottom, right? Oh, Popeyes K- is better than KFC. Popeye, but there's a lot of people who are Popeyes, you know, fanatics too. Right. But then most people like Chick fil A more than Popeyes. And then most people who've had all of them like Bojangles more than Chick fil A. I think, Chi- think Chick fil A is the more mainstream because it's gotten big. Now I prefer Chick Fil A, but I know a lot of the some of the hardcore Southerners that I know, and this is anecdotal, prefer Bojangles. So, okay, what's this? What's this Zaxby's place that I was here about? I like Except Zaxby's. It's solid. Stupid games are on. You don't see them often, though. They're they're few and far between. <laughs> they only they're, they're pop up businesses like the Halloween costume stores that only <laughs> show up in December and January around bowl season. <laughs> nice. <laughs> in SEC country only. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I passed the Zaxby's last night and thought about going to drive through. Go figure. All right. Um, Browns, Texans. Uh, I'm still, after last week, the Demarius Thomas, I, I'm not back in on Demarius Thomas yet. The, the Texans are, they're taking the air out of the ball. You know, I mean, I, they're running blue plenty still. I know they were winning by a lot last week, but Miller is running plenty and so is blue and Deshaun Watson still runs and Hopkins is going to eat up 
a decent amount of a low target share. I don't think it leaves a lot for the other guys. And I know Thomas got two touchdowns last week, but I'm still I'm, I'm skeptical about start thinking about starting him. Still only five targets. They are spreading the ball around pretty effectively. I think Kiki QT is good enough to push him for his role as we go down the stretch. And as you said, it's mostly DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to be kind of chewing up most of what they do in the passing game anyway. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to start Demarius Thomas in season long leagues this week. If you had to last week and got that touchdown, you got lucky. All right, and QT is uh, was limited in practice on Wednesday, so you're going to keep an eye on his status. Also, is, is Jarvis Landry, I know this is weird to say it, in week 13, is, has Jarvis Landry been dead for you or a while? Is he dead to you now for this I keep season? Wait, I keep waiting for that bounce back because the targets are there and the volume's there, and I think Baker's good, but woof, like what is going on here? Like I, I'm stunned. Like I, I, I think he's just the guy we saw for most of the time in Miami. Like high volume, low output, doesn't score a lot. You know, it's kind of okay in full PPR and disappointing everywhere else. I maybe there's a reason that it was John Dorsey that traded for him. You know, I don't, I don't think John Dorsey's smart for what it's <laughs> worth. I think he's actually really dumb. So if I think that, then and I didn't like Jarvis Landry in Miami. Maybe my belief in Jarvis Landry because of Todd Haley was misplaced all along. All right. Um, by the way, interesting note about this game. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, their new offensive coordinator, uh, went to Alabama. I think he was back at quarterback. And um, Nick, Nick Chubb <laughs> said yesterday that Freddie Kitchens told him that if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game, that he'd let Nick Chubb call all the plays on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it happens for, for reasons even beyond that. But I, I, would, I just want to know what kind of – would Nick Chubb call 45 run plays? I mean, he pretty much got that last week anyway. So True. He got 28 and three catches. So, and I mean, after that catch he made in the end zone, he can pretty much call whatever he wants or do whatever he wants and get thrown the ball and get it every time. All right, Broncos-Bengals. Um, Jeff Driscoll starting in place of the uh, injured Andy Dalton, who's done – in this game, would you, with Jeff Griscoll quarterbacking, A.J. Green sounds like he's going to come back. If you're an A.J. Green owner, do you say, yup, in, all set? Ugh, I fortunately don't have to make this decision anywhere, but I'm very worried the Bengals' offense goes into full collapse uh, with hobbled Green, Driscoll taking over. I guess the thing is, though, is like Andy Dalton, as your starting quarterbacks go, wasn't playing at some impossible to reach level he's just kind of a the a average sort of starter if not if not even a little worse he's at seven yards per attempt this year so the gap between dalton and driscoll might not be that wide more because dalton's not very good not because driscoll's anything special so green might be good enough to to make it all work i just i worry about his health though too like it's kind of the the, the two-prong problem where it's he's banged up so we don't know if he's going to be limited snap wise at all or limited in how efficient he is. And then we just don't know at, at quarterback if that drop off is going to impact him much. Okay. Um, all right. Rams lions. Are you ready to go back to the well on the Garrett blunt? No, <laughs> really? Amazingly. No. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's not, that's not a thing. Don't, why? don't, don't, don't do that. Why not? Why, why would, why would we believe in the Garrett blunt? He got 19 carries last week. I don't think lightning can strike twice with that guy. I just don't see that happening. 
But the conversation we had last Wednesday was that, I mean, this, this should be a high-scoring game, which we think the Rams will win. But the Lions, we, we don't, the, the way they, the projected point totals, you know, we, we're not seeing the Lions at, you know, 18 points here, right? It's more like 22-23. And if they score a running touchdown, he's going to get it. I think oh, no. the problem is that the carry volume should be down because they're playing from behind. The efficiency is probably going to come down. He's very TD dependent. Yep. And with no teams on by, I, I think he's probably fringy for the flex spot at best. I think the the thing I like most about the Lions offense is the idea of Kenny Galladay being just force fed like 14 targets in this game. Yes. That's the, that's the Lions thing that it seems very obvious to me and I think he can do a lot of damage with 14 targets, so I'm kind of excited to see that. Okay. Um, other thing in this game, Cooks and Woods are within $100. I know in draft, I didn't look at FanDuel. Cooks and Woods are within $100 of each other on DraftKings. Who would you go with? I'd play Cooks. They're both cash game viable. They're probably both going to be reasonably owned to the rate where you could use them in tournaments if you wanted to as well. The difference for me, you know, you look at... Darius Slay, he's he's allowing a passer rating above 100 through the first 11 games, so you're not really worried about any individual matchup. Cooks has been getting targeted a little bit more. He's got eight targets on eight occasions already this season, eight-plus targets, that is. Gone over 100 yards in three straight games. Just been a little more involved than Woods in recent weeks, so that gives him the slightest of edges. But this is, this is like a debate that we have in DFS every single week. Like, oh, which of the two Rams receivers do you want? And when the price is within like $100, $200 of each other, the price doesn't always steer you to the, to the right one. So I think Cooks is a slightly better play if you want it, maybe a little lower ownership. Maybe you go Woods in a tournament, but I still think the differences are very small. Okay. Oh, by the way, Blunt, RB39 on the Rotowire Weekly Projections. So Yeah, fringe flex, right? Yeah. Um, Cardinals-Packers. Why should I start a quarterback who is 14th in fantasy points per game in a game that projects to have them winning by a decent amount of points and probably running the ball quite a bit? The last time they were in a game against an opponent like this, I think they won 22 to nothing. You did to get the Bills game in week four? Yeah. Is that it, right? And, and Rodgers, I mean, I love Rodgers, but... The, the fantasy numbers are not there. This doesn't seem to be a game that will help him snap out of that. No, it doesn't set up very favorably for that. The, uh, the thing I saw that was really surprising was one of the next-gen stats that somebody tweeted out last night. No quarterback is throwing the ball outside the numbers as often as Rodgers. And it's that. by a huge margin, which was kind of brought back to the point of, well... Why is he doing that? Because the offense is not well designed. It, it's a, it's an old offense, and it's just not working anymore. Um, there have been people that have said that he's passing uh, on throwing to open receivers, trying to hit big plays. I, I think I think the criticism of Rodgers is strange because it has all to this point, everything I've seen has completely erased the possibility that he's still playing on a bad leg. Okay. He's moving around like his leg is fine, but is he taking a shot of Toradol every week to to feel that good? I mean, we don't we don't know. Like, I, I just I think it's silly 
to look at him and to place more than a reasonable amount of blame on him for what's happening right now. Right. Like he's still really good. He still makes insane plays and it's a supporting cast. Like Marquez Velez scantling at one point, look like a guy that maybe a, would be a league winner this year for people. That's not shaping up to be the case. Sure. Rogers is the one throwing him the ball, but when you, when you watch Veldez scantling and St. Brown and Jamon Moore, I don't think you see game changing receiver, you know, future starter lock to be a thousand yard guy in the future. And any of those guys necessarily, they could become that kind of player, yep. but they're not trending that way. They're not, they're not among the elite receivers in this class. And then you look at Jimmy Graham with the broken thumb, how long it took them to get Jones on the field in passing situations. Like this is not a good supporting cast. It's very top heavy with Devonte Adams being really good and everybody else being inexperienced and, and very inconsistent. What's the word on uh, – I'm looking at his Rotowire page now. Bakhtiari didn't practice Wednesday. Do we know anything about that? Anything more? I'm, I'm worried about that. It's just you're kind of reading the tea leaves of, of how he looked standing on the sidelines. He was talking to several teammates, members of the training staff when he was out of that game. And he, he, offensive line depth is something that you, you worry about with any team. You take away an elite left tackle like that and you, you move a guy that might play a little guard over to tackle like a Jason Spriggs and a great pass rusher can often overwhelm player like that. So I, I don't know if you look at Arizona and say they're going to be as fierce in the pass rush as Minnesota was with you know, Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden. I think they can actually be pretty dangerous in that facet. So I, I, I was an idiot last week. I thought the Cardinals could keep that game against the Chargers close. I don't know what my fascination is with Arizona exactly, uh, but I'm almost hoping for the Packers' offensive production's sake that the Cardinals can do a little bit offensively yeah. just to keep Rodgers in the offense having to produce. I, I like the setup for Aaron Jones a lot this week. The Cardinals' right. run defense has been bad. And his touch volume has been up closer to like Kareem Hunt's touch volume over these last four weeks. All right. Yeah. So, so in the Rotowire projections, Rodgers is QB four. Hmm. I, I don't, that's, that's a puzzler for me. Seems a little high. Yeah. Um, all right. Chiefs Raiders. I mean, this is so uninteresting for fantasy purposes. So, so we're trying to help people, right? I mean, listen, listening to us say, talk about how great Patrick Mahomes is, is maybe nice, but. It doesn't help anyone. So I look at this game and I go, okay, I'm starting all my Chiefs. I'm benching all my Raiders except for Jared Cook. Is there anything more to say about this? Who's the mystery? Sammy Watkins? I mean, who's the, what's the question here for anyone? I think you summed it all up. Other than DFS, we want to get into a DFS conversation, which we do a little more on Friday. That's different. But for season long, it's like, all right, it's pretty simple. Yeah, it's Cook and... That's maybe Jalen Richard in a really deep league, like a 14 teamer, full PPR, because they're probably going to have him out in the field a lot trying to play catch up. All right. By the way, Sammy Watkins, even though there was a buy, he did not, he was not expected. So he didn't practice Wednesday. Yeah. So not great. Um, Jets Titans. So the Jets over the past. Five weeks, the Jets have allowed more fantasy points per game to running backs than any other team. If you own one of the Titans running backs, you are probably generally shell-shocked at the season they've had. But if there's an opportunity left and you still have them on your roster, this would appear to be it, right? Yeah, I mean, the Deion Lewis thing has been 
frustrating for a few weeks. You could see him maybe bouncing back a little bit, ending up uh, with, with a pretty good day. But a lot of the production actually has been on the ground as opposed to uh, through the air to running back. So if you think the Titans are going to be holding a lead throughout this game, it could actually be a good Derrick Henry week. Um, to me, they're both kind of in that flex range above the fringe options, guys that you feel okay but not great about as your flex. Kind of poor men's RB2s at at best. Uh, but the the bigger question is, do you expect the Titans to be in that situation where they're protecting a lead throughout this game? Do you trust this offense as a whole now going into this matchup? Do I trust the offense that trusts? No. I, mean, I kind of like Mariota. Everyone else, I don't know if I trust. So I get it. I mean, I, I mean, Mariota like Mariota is a player that I've always wanted to like, and I'm still kind of stuck worrying about his health yeah. every single week, even after coming up to the Monday night game where he got through it and was fine. Um, by the way, to your point about the running backs on the Rotowire projections, Deion Lewis RB twenty four, Derrick Henry RB forty eight, forty eight for your third round pick, everybody. Congratulations! Wow. <laughs> Um, another thing in this case, so Darnold might play for the Jets. Um, over those, again, picking the cherry picking the five weeks, which I want it to be recent and not all season, the Titans have been the worst against opposing fantasy wide receivers. Could you, would you, on any of the Jets wide receivers? No, not yeah, really. I think you're right. I, I can't talk myself into it in season long. I think you've got GPP darts to consider, but it, it's a huge question as to where the targets are going to go, if anyone's going to emerge to have enough of a role to actually even make value. And from a, a season-long perspective, I think it's easy to look elsewhere. And, and projected a point total for the Jets or implied point total is, what, 17 or something? Or 16? So, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't buy that. 49ers Seahawks. So, past half-dozen games, Seahawks have allowed 5.5 yards per carry. However, they're favored by 10. So maybe the, the, the game flow would get away from this. But this, the, the, the performance of the Seahawks defense would argue that Matt Breida could be in for another nice day. Yeah, I think the thing that makes Breida still safe, at least for like a tournament consideration or for your second running back spot, is that he'll catch passes if the game script plays out the way the Vegas line would lead you to believe, with the Seahawks being 10-point favorites. Um, I'm a little worried about Russell Wilson in this one because I think it could be a, a ground-heavy sort of attack. It could be a good Chris Carson day as well. Even though San Francisco is not bad in terms of the efficiency of their run defense, it might just be Chris Carson getting 22 carries. And when that happens, you look at him as a guy that's a threat to get you 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so that's kind of where I see the interest in this game, mostly being concentrated on the running backs. The thing about the 49ers, though, that you always want to pick on is that secondary. Right. And is it Tyler Lockett? Is it Doug Baldwin? Is it both of those guys early on that helped the Seahawks open up that lead? Like, where do you feel most comfortable going in the Seattle passing game right now, given the developments of these last few weeks? I feel more comfortable going with Lockett, but I and I actually think David Moore is a sneaky guy that's going to keep doing somewhat well. Because yeah, they're bad on the outside. I mean, they, yeah. they've Jimmy Ward has struggled this season. Uh, Greg Maben, Akella Witherspoon, guys that are are just opposite Richard Sherman in general, just have not mm-hmm. done well in coverage. Kwan Williams has been bad as well. 
So you have you have some opportunities here if Seattle strikes early through the air and then kind of just protects that lead with the run in the second half. But Doug Baldwin mispracticed again Wednesday. He's got a groin injury. So you kind of worry that uh, that even if he were to go, that he might be limited in terms of how much they use him. Just seven targets, five catches, 39 yards. Looked a lot like the game he had in Week 10, kind of bookending that uh, that TD performance against the Packers on Thursday night in Week 11. I'm I'm just concerned that this is just a total like lost year for Baldwin health wise. It I I agree with you, and I have him in a couple of spots, which I regret, but um, because we knew about the injury, and I said, no, no, he'll be fine. And we always go. Um, I know Pianowski talks about that a lot. <laughs> to, you know, you you know the guy's injured. Don't hope that he's going to get better necessarily because he might often wind up getting disappointed and I'm paraphrasing. Um, so Russell Wilson in this game. So they're favored by what? 10. And so it, it, you would think, well, maybe there's a running game. You talked about the receivers, you know, that they're fine. Russell Wilson has thrown two or three touchdowns in each of the last seven. The volume's not super high. These guys love to run. But I'm looking at this, and I see another good game coming. And he, he's, we're going back to the projections, he's QB 13, and that's with Trubisky ahead of him, so maybe QB 12. Do you think, I think that's a little on the low side. I don't think there's much of a difference between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers okay. in this, this week's matchups. Like I, where, wherever, if Rodgers is too high and Wilson's too low and you want to meet in the middle around like 8, 9, the position, because you think both players are going to be limited in terms of attempts, so they're going to have to do like 250, 275, and two or three touchdowns to be great plays this week. I totally get it. Uh, yeah, there's only been one game all year where Russell Wilson didn't have multiple touchdown passes. That was week four against Arizona. Right. Um, by the way, Seahawks, four of their last five at home. They play four of their final five the rest of the way. They have one road game. Interesting. So, so, P, so P. Carroll wins the lottery again. Cool. Mm. <laughs> Vikes Pats. Um, Sony Michelle healthy. Rex Burkhead returning. What are we doing with James White? The touches are dropping. In the beginning of the year, you thought that basically we, the conversation we had, not just you and me, many people had, was, was that we, we wound up with a bit of an uncertain Patriots backfield and when in doubt, pick the guy you can get the latest, right? It was sort of a, you know, a, a, a common thing that I heard. And I know I said, James White last couple of weeks against Tennessee in week 10, six touches. Jets last week, 10 touches. Now Burkhead, you know, not going to take over, but he might play two, three series. The James White thing, not going great. No, I mean, it's it's kind of like the early season workload has come back, and now Burkhead's part of the fold. I mean, Sony Michelle is the lead back. Uh, White's going to catch some passes. Burkhead's going to catch some passes, maybe get a few carries sprinkled in as well. I just think as long as Burkhead and White are both active at the same time, it's really difficult to rely on either one of those two guys from a season-long perspective because Sony Michelle looks really good as the featured back. Like, that's the... That's the main takeaway for me. That's the thing that's changed for Burkhead. We didn't know where Sony Michelle was going to be health-wise when we were in draft season. That was a big concern. And with that, you know, I don't think we realized how effective James White could be with an increased role in the passing game. 
And we're now looking at Burkhead, and I think his ceiling is even lower than we once thought. Mm-hmm. Um, James White, last five games, percentage of snaps, 70, 80, 79, 67, 53. So um, projections on James White. RB19, that's aggressive. Yeah, it's too high. Yeah. I, 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 he, he'd be, for me, hey, I wouldn't mind him in a PPR. Otherwise, I don't think so. So, uh, You'd play Tevin Coleman over James White in a full PPR? In a full PPR? Yeah. No. I don't think I All would. Right, so it, it, at least 10 spots then down for, yeah. for James White. Um, all right. Chargers-Steelers. What do you do with the uh, – how much do you think Justin Jackson eats into Austin Eckler's work? Mm, not much because this is only hopefully a short-term absence for Melvin Gordon. If this were like week three and Melvin Gordon were going to miss the rest of the season, I think they'd want to find a combination to not overwork Eckler. But I think this is an opportunity for Eckler to – be a very fresh back, relatively speaking, doing impressive work over the next three or four games with a starter's workload. Okay. I mean, um, think about like the Kenyon Drake situation last year when he was starting to get 18, 20 touches a week in the second half, how good he looked in those spots because relative to defenses, he was fresh. I mean, Eckler's looked efficient pretty much all season. So I think this is a great opportunity for him. I'm really excited for anybody who has him on their bench, had him stashed all along, scooped him up this week. I don't think I have him anywhere in season long, so he's not going to be the guy that puts me over the top late. But kudos to anybody else that was uh, kind of just holding on to him in the event of a Melvin Gordon breakdown. Um, by the way, on the quote on his RotoWire player page, recording Eric Williams from ESPN. It says, Coach Anthony Lynn believes Eckler will have no problem holding up as an every down back. Quote, that's why you see him running through the tackles, Lynn said. That's why you see him creating yards after contact. He's not a big back, but he can do those types of things. So um, he's a little guy, but it sounds like they're going to let him try to hold up this week. I mean, I, I'm, I, in fishbowl, I got Justin Jackson to sit on my bench, and I'm fine with that right now. To, yeah, I would, I would take a wait and see with him. Yeah. All right. Um, the other thing, Vance McDonald didn't practice Wednesday for the uh, Steelers. Keep an eye on that. Redskins-Eagles. Injury-wise, Chris Thompson hopes he's going to play for the Redskins. Jameson Crowder, I think, was doing individual drills on Wednesday. I don't know what that um, means. Or was that Monday? I don't know. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see on him. Philly... The secondary might get Jalen Mills back, which is, I mean, anything helps because they were down to, you know, a bunch of real estate agents playing corner last week. But with Philly down in the secondary, I mean, this is last week's, you know, hey, against the Giants, well, their secondary is so beat up that anybody can pick them apart. And in the first half, they did a little bit. I mean, if a good quarterback would have. But can Colt McCoy do it? You know, and the Redskins don't have really any wide receivers. Like, can you, you look at the secondary and you go, wow, what an, a fantasy opportunity with this banged up secondary. And, oh, right, it's Colt McCoy and Josh Doxson and, and uh, you know, Trey Quinn. Yeah, so I think this is going to be a little bit like the Nick Mullins against the Bucks situation a week ago. And it's not going to work out for slightly different reasons. Like Colt McCoy, as we said last week, is a perfectly competent backup. But the lack of weapons that he has right now 
is incredible. Like the Redskins might be running out a group of pass catchers that the Eagles fourth, fifth and sixth corners can actually cover. <laughs> so last week though, Jake Latarski's favorite free agent wide receiver, Josh Doxson, six for 66 on 10 targets. Does it, and that's in Colts first game there. Does it intrigue you at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, Doxon might be still out there in some 10 teamers, a few 12 teamers. I, I think he's the receiver I like the most. It's not really that close right now because of the, again, lack of quality of the depth in Washington. I think if we're looking at the, the 268 and two touchdowns that Colt McCoy put up against Dallas last week, which actually is a pretty good pass defense. I think he comes close to similar numbers like 240, two touchdowns, probably fewer interceptions. So he's not going to go off, but in a two-quarterback league, I think you can do worse than Colt McCoy, even in circumstances where the weapons aren't good and where you look at him as a guy on the road that hasn't played a lot this year. Like He could he could fall on his face. He probably won't. I, I just don't think he's that type of backup. Okay. So I've got Josh Doxson at wide receiver 40. The road wire projections have him at wide receiver 56. So like, I think he's fringy. You could, you could make an argument to play him in, in I mean, 12-team league would have to be an injury, but a 14-teamer maybe. So just because of volume. But all right. Um, Josh Adams, by the way, roll, right? You got Josh Adams. You're all in. I, yeah, I got him. in I, the worst fantasy football team I've ever had was the <laughs> DVR team because it was a Le'Veon Bell, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, well, Mixon was hurt early in the season. Kenyon Drake; those were the first three picks on that wow. team. Wow, yeah, that didn't that didn't go well? It's um, terrible. Demarius Thomas was the the fallback. Like, hey, I waited on receiver. I'm going to get a high volume guy who's really good in PPR. Nope. Nope. Uh, I'm going to get Ronald Jones as my upside running back in case my other running backs get hurt. Uh, uh-uh, nope. Like nothing I did in that league worked. The only thing I did right was about three four weeks ago. I picked up Josh Adams for a very small amount of fab in case. The Philly backfield turned over. Got it. That's that's about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, this this is not a great spot because I think Washington's actually a pretty good run defense. And I look at Adams and I say, okay, well, the volume should be there. He's not going to catch passes. It, it's a slightly better version of Legarrette Blunt given the matchup. Even though I think Josh Adams is a better player. All right. Um. I think that's it. We covered all 16 games. We did it pretty efficiently. What else you got going on? Uh, you know, I was looking to see where the nearest Bojangles is, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty far. It's, it's SEC country. They don't really they don't really go north of the Mason-Dixon line. Nah. I'd have so to look that, that up the, where the Bojangles are. So Yeah, I, 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 I was looking. Like, I mean, they got a bunch in Nashville. Like That was kind of like the – that was the most appealing – place that had several of them but it's it's really like the sec plus maryland sec acc places generally by the way um the biscuits are good there too the cheddar bow it's just basically a bunch of slices of cheddar cheese melted on a biscuit it's outrageous (laughs) seems like a good idea yes uh yeah so i i mean what do i i got going on i've got the the draft kings article coming out later today i've got the uh, dfs episode with scott recording late this afternoon east coast time so that should be up by dinner time on the west coast and um i think that's it for the projects for the next day or two all right 
But we're going to be back Friday afternoon. Yep. Covering and that pod week. Friday. Yeah. So, uh, all right. He's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter. I'm at Hoppin 37 Again, you can also catch us at Rotowire and follow the news feed at Rotowire NFL. Um, listeners to this podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always ask and we always appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back on Friday. Derek and I will be here to cover the latest news, injuries, you know, the things heading into the weekend to get you ready. So please come on back then and listen. Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.